Welcome to another uh, podcast of Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Today, we've got uh, Matt Dawson, who is the Senior Director of IT. Hey, Matt, would you uh, like to tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and where you work? Sure, Mike. Thanks for thanks for having me on, first of all. I, uh, uh, a little bit about myself, I've been in IT for about three decades now, um, living here in North Texas for about 20 of those three decades, for about 20 years. And uh, I'm a senior director, like you said, at a biopharma company here in the Dallas area, and I've been there for a number of years now. And uh, it's, it's, it's always interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I saw that biopharma, and I wondered a little about that. Would you tell me what, what that's like? How's that different than what everybody thinks of just as the regular tech and, and uh, director of IT? What what does that bring to your world that that I probably don't see in transportation? Yeah, it's a good question. It is way different. You know, I started back in IT back uh, a long time ago. Uh, never would have thought I'd be in this place I am right now. But in biopharma, it's biological pharmaceuticals. Um, so they do actually have some places where they test and have big hazard signs up. But it's a little different than my past experience because in this job, we actually have manufacturing, distribution, as well as the regular IT. Um, when I say regular, you know, typical office stuff. We also deal with um, government entities and things of that nature. So there's a thing like serialization of the product, which is a numbering processing thing that we have to do to track it from the time it's manufactured to the time it's delivered. And then all the regulations that go around it. So it's it's, it's different. Um, it, it makes it interesting because uh, there's no real good uh, blue book, so to speak, <laughs> of what needs to be done and how to do it. Okay. And, you know, I always kind of wondered in – one of the other things that I read was that you have to deal with a lot of compliance, sounding like, um, or I saw SOX and uh, HIPAA and FDA and DEA. But before we even get into that one, I, I kind of wondered what about um, some of the you know, TV. I watch too much TV and I and I get trapped into these things. And I think that there's a lot of a um, corporate espionage going on. Have you, uh, <laughs> have, have you had to deal with anything like that? Yeah, you know, it's funny, uh, TV's right sometimes, I think corporate espionage, and sometimes it's not even planned espionage, you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> so, you know, cybersecurity, I, I was telling me, you know, 90% of it is the end user, and uh, of those end users, it's always the guy that leaves his laptop on a plane or loans it to somebody, like, you know, I, you know why you would do that, I don't, I don't know, but, you know, it's, sales guys and executives have a different mindset, you know, their jobs are to grow a business and sell stuff fast so yeah that that um it's funny we we do actually have a problem with that in our industry uh, because of what we do you do have the espionage where people try to come in and try to get in the system either remotely or by uh hacking into somebody's system or by actually coming on site and trying to get into the wi-fi like sitting in a parking lot so it's, it makes it a little interesting so we have to have cameras outside and stop people even if they're in the parking lot uh, and see what they're doing so it's kind of a different uh different beast for yeah, sure Go ahead. Oh, no, yeah, it's, it's, like you said, it's just it's something It's kind of funny because yeah, you do see it on TV and my uh, my wife watches all those shows, you know. <laughs> and she'd <Here>. say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like one of the things that we did, you know, I started trying to wrap my head around how we were going to make um, guest Wi-Fi usable and, and all of the fun around that. And then suddenly, you know, I... I finally realized I could hit the simple button and just 
create a guest network and keep it completely separate from the internal network so that if somebody was out in the parking lot, um, that that they couldn't access any of the internal stuff instead of trying to layer all of the firewalls and the rules and making sure somebody hit that save button or that write command um, before we rebooted the router so that we lost all of those modifications. I'm sure nothing like that's ever happened to you. Oh, no. Yeah. I've never forgotten to write write the mem and rebooted <laughs> and I had to start all over. <laughs> oh. No one's ever done that, right, Mike? It's something new. You know, IT guides, I think, you know, historically, we've all done it at least once, if not multiple times. And you put your, your the, the face palm, right? Put your head, your palm to your forehead and go, oh, my God, I got to do this all over again. Yeah. Or, or my favorite one is when I reboot a device like that, when I'm remoted into it and waiting for it to come back up and then i realize oh wait a minute i just rebooted i can't get back to it <laughs> yeah ip changed or something crazy yeah yeah we yeah. had um we have four different wireless networks so it can be confusing so be real careful what you're doing make sure you don't turn the wrong thing on and off yeah so all right so Tell me a little more about your history. You, you got um, 30 years in, in the industry. So that means to me, let's see, it's 23, somewhere around 90, 93. Um, it was a different world back then. It was a completely different world. So um, talk to me about what you were doing when you first came into the uh, IT and technology. Yeah, actually, I, I hate to say it was actually before 90. Um <laughs> <laughs> and it was way different. Yeah, it was way different. So I actually um, went to school uh, for mechanical engineering and uh, I landed a job and we were working on a big project uh, for the government. And I had taken some programming back in the old, uh, if you remember the old Prime OS and the Vax VMS systems uh, back in the day. And they did all their uh, CAD work on there. So they brought in some of the old uh, Apple IIs there to do documentation on, but nobody knew how to use them. And I did. So that's literally how I got into IT. Um, they said, hey, if you can do this, can you do this on the mainframe? And yeah, actually I can. And uh, I started doing uh, IT. So I went right literally from designing exciting stuff like stairs um, <laughs> and got into uh, doing uh, rendering, which is a, used to take all night back then. So you'd start the process, and it would run eight to ten hours, maybe twelve, depending on what the drawing was, to render it so you could look at it and how cool it looked. And if it messed up, you just start all over again. I, yeah, I do it now. My I do it now on my phone, right? You pick a button and <laughs> right, and now you just pick the stairs and you throw the item down, and and you've got a visualization of it, and you just uh, pinch or zoom to change the size. And back then, we're talking monochrome monitors. We're talking. Um, yeah, to, to actually render it and draw the pictures. Well, we're still talking about the times when um, 16 megs of RAM was a huge amount of RAM. Oh, it's crazy. I remember soldering, well, it was back in the 90s, I guess, soldering memory on the board. Um, you know, instead of just putting the, the DIM and stuff in, you do now the Sims. And yeah, 16 gig was unheard of. I, mean, I don't know what you'd ever need it for. You know, it's like, I've got 100 gigs, you know, 100 megs in my hard drive and you know, two to four gigs of memory. I mean, I'm sad. <laughs> All right. Was, so was, you went from the Apple IIs to the mainframes, doing some CAD work too? Uh, and I started programming. Um, uh, 
MC back in the day. And I actually um, did that for a number of years and got hired by an engineering firm to help them rewrite a program. And uh, it was a facilities management program that would do square footage calculations and put in the old, <clears throat> pardon me, the, the old DB4 database um, and did it until AutoCAD actually bought the program from the company. And in typical uh, uh, software fashion, they bought it and they trashed it. Um, <laughs> they had their own. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. That's why I quit developing. I think you know, there's, there's just no glory in this. So I actually quit. And I got into infrastructure and in IT because um, there wasn't a lot of it. You know, Dell, their sales guys used to bring the uh, system in and they fixed it. Um, but if your sales guy wasn't on the other side of the state, yeah, it was hard to get them back back around again. So I, I started doing the, the hardware side of it and doing infrastructure and uh, grew into what I do today. So uh, Yeah, so talk about infrastructure then because I think infrastructure today and infrastructure then are radically different because now we've got um, infrastructure as a service um, versus what, what you're talking about, which is like the, I'm assuming, total wiring, the true data centers, hopefully true data centers instead of a data center in a closet like I had to build <laughs> with. Um, you know, so so enlighten some of the uh, the youngins that are listening to us about um, infrastructure back in the, uh, what, what time frame are we hitting now? 95? Yeah, about mid-90s, yeah. Um, yeah. We had the big old, uh, we had the AS400 back, oh, I guess it was, the, yeah, the AS400 back then. And the raised floor. Those, man. <laughs> do you really? Yeah. I, I'm still certified. I, get, I still get calls from people going, do you, can you still do this? I said, well, if you want to pay me. <laughs> we had the raised floor back then. So we had the AS400. We had the, uh, the uh, Solaris systems and some of those kind of things, the HPUX. And we, you know, we used to call it racking and stacking. So get the big old rack in there and run all the wirings under the floor. And the big air handling units uh, that ran so you couldn't even hear yourself talk, depending on where you were in the data center. Um, and it was a, it was a far different cry than today because the equipment was big and heavy and um, you know, you'd put the server in and have to put different parts in because it was too heavy to lift. And uh, I look at some of the stuff today and just it's just amazing how you can get one U and have literally as much horsepower and processing power as a whole rack used to have of stuff. Yeah, it, it is amazing the amount of power that we have in, in today's racks. You know, it, that's hundreds of servers um, with so much more power and so much more processing speed and, and redundancy and everything else compared to what we had back at mid-90s. So tell me more. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, so yeah. yeah I, and, uh, I remember, I guess a quick story when I was doing it, we were doing the IVR, the Interactive Voice Response System, and it was literally three racks of servers that would process 96 lines and rotate them as people called. And I think one of two ports of, you know, sets of 96 lines. And it would do all the calls. And um, so you would have to shut the lines down, literally, you know, just one by, group by group, to program because you couldn't just change make a change. You program it, test it, so you'd have one running. You have to do it after hours, um, middle of the night, because that's when you had less calls uh, in the data center. You know, call through, and it was that tied into the, the uh, customer service department and their system, so they could see the calls and answer. And it was a very convoluted system, and uh, it was a lot of work to keep upkeeping. We had people on twenty four seven in staffing of the data center, and uh, they would let people in when they needed to and uh, have to keep track of the air conditioning and the power and 
uh, actually go out and look at it. You know, each rack had a little um, its own set of stuff that they would check as they went around the data center. Yeah, and so I, I want to remind our listeners because you know I, when you first started talking to me about ninety six lines, I'm thinking, you know, I, my mind went back to the programming, and I'm thinking ninety six lines of code. No, we're talking ninety six lines of POTS lines, folks. Yes, um, yeah. plain old telephone system. You know, back when we had to do collect calling and and actually dial up and things like that, because this is still that era. Yeah, this yeah, the there were dial ups. Uh, each one with their own separate number. Yeah, all the pot slides and the big. You know, you'd, you'd plug them in, and if one went, you had to check everything from the the, the board to the line itself and trace it back. And uh, there's a telephone line. It's something people say probably don't even know what that is. <laughs> yeah, I was I was going to explain that because you know I'm sure that there's a, a more than a couple of people out there that don't understand what pot lines are, and they're thinking of something else that a couple of states have <laughs> legalized. Yeah, uh, no, that pot in this case stands for plain old telephone system. <laughs> yeah, it's pots. We were real creative back then with stuff. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, because we had to shorten it, we had to make it real quick and easy to say, you know, pots lines. And and I remember how how much fun it was bringing in um, pots lines, and then the uh, oh man, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with them anymore. But what are the uh, the telephone lines where we'd get 23 channels and then one channel for information? Um, it was like yeah. twenty four lines total. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, the, the, um, yeah, uh, black. Yeah, yeah. You forgot God. them too. <laughs> I did. It's been forever. Jump aren't you? Shit. Aren't you glad Jump that we don't remember what they are? <laughs> I know it was terrible. It was terrible. You know, uh, uh, you know, I, I just got funny, Mike. I recently just got fiber running into my house. Um, oh man, I, I'm jealous. Oh, it's so nice. Yeah, I've got more speed here than I do in my office. But oh, it amazes me because um, I remember having DSL when it when it first came out in my house. It took um, like two months for them to you know, start putting it in the neighborhood. And they finally got the DSL. And I thought that was so fast. Um, oh, it, it, yeah. was. it was. It was, and it was constant. You didn't have to deal with the dial-up. You didn't have people picking up the phone and going, oh, and listening to the screeching of the lines. Uh, but, the modem, yeah. Yeah, when it first came out, we had to put those filters on the, the phone lines so that the phone calls wouldn't interact or wouldn't interfere with the, the DSL. That only yeah. lasted a few years. Yeah. It was, I actually worked, at, you know, back towards the end of the 90s, or well, I guess it was 2000. Um, for a, a company, and they did uh, return past satellite, and so you you would dial out through the modem, and it would download through the satellite, uh, and it was screaming. I think that thing was you know a meg. It was like a T one speed <laughs> coming yeah. down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, T ones were only one point five meg, so yeah, it, yeah, it was, it was, it was like that a is T one speeds. It, it was it was uh, it used to call it the tachyon. To try and be funny, but it was just a big ugly dish and. Not that reliable. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you guys don't realize what it was like back then when when a T one was like the fast speeds for a business, and it's a one point five megabit connection. And right now, I've got people trying to bring me fiber to our corporate offices, and and we could have anywhere from five hundred megs to gigabit speeds. Yeah. Um. You know. We just put in um, another hundred megs in my office. Um, as we had, 
500, went to another 100 with a separate, less or redundant line, right? With, you know, they're putting it in. I thought, wow, that just seems like so fast. And then I got a gig at my house. And I go, well, actually, my house is faster now, um, which is unheard of back in the day. It's, um, yeah. you know, I started with the dot, the dot bomb error. Um, when I had the, the satellite dish, it was, uh, I was the fastest connection in the neighborhood. And that's what we did. You know, it was a, it was a, a brief little stint with the, uh, the dot com era and uh, a couple of companies I worked for. And I, I seemed really fast, you know, like you said. It was, uh, do you have I any kids that, at that point? I do. I, I had uh, my oldest son was in school and we had the, uh, yeah, and we had a computer in the living room. We had one in the whole house and we'd all share it. And uh, that's when he, uh, he started doing the, uh, he would surf, I guess, and his friends would get on and do um, the chat and the old yeah, IM. Uh, so the bulletin boards was what what I remember. Yeah, the BBS. Back yeah, then. the old BBS. That's what, like Reddit reminds me today of like the bulletin boards with, with more features. But <laughs> yeah, and then that reminds me of like Mozilla and when the World Wide Web just really started to come out um, late later part of the nineties. And we were like Mozilla was nobody knew the URLs and, and DNS wasn't as established as it is. So we had that Mozilla spinner or um, what was it? I can't even remember the name of the feature, but you could just push a button and it would randomly pick one of the hundreds of websites that were out there and just bring it to you. So you could just start exploring what people had put out on the uh, World Wide Web. Remember yeah, those? Yeah, the old terrible websites too. If you look back, it's, <laughs> what are you looking yeah. at? I, I don't know. I just I, I hit the button and it showed up. So we're looking at you know it's uh, uh, yeah. it's in Russian, but it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> the, the flash tags. <laughs> yeah. The, the flash. Make this flash. Ooh, gifts. Gifts yeah, have motion. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah the motion. I remember this. Uh, it was in two thousand. One or two, uh, the CEO saw one of my programs that worked for me at the time. I was a, I was a director, uh, wrote a program, and he thought it was on the web. He just thought it was cool saying he was wanted to show the show. And it was actually on the computer because it was too much flash and stuff going on to put it on the web because it would take forever to to come up on a dial-up. Um, but it looked really neat, so he wanted to put, put it in the show. He said, we're going to take this to CES. I was like, oh, we, we can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna know right off the bat this isn't coming from the internet <laughs> well so you were in the the dot-com part where going to ces at that point yeah ces uh interop used to be, uh, was a big one um so, there was a couple others yeah I'm drawing uh, a were, did you ever watch um catch fire or catching fire or what was the tv show and and they were doing some of the uh interop and and those kinds of things with the uh, original pcs that people were building in the garages yeah yeah halt and catch uh, fire that's it that's yeah it. yeah that's just yeah that was great you know it's funny cause remember they said the catalogs uh, back in the day when you could buy it and buy computer parts and build your own computer um the computer shopper was a big I found one looking through some of my old stuff, and I, my son was like, "Well, why wouldn't you just go online?" Well, because you couldn't. <laughs> yeah, that's not how it works, son. It's like a series of robot for computer people. <laughs> yeah, the only people online were DARPA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. 
And uh, yeah, it was great. So the, yeah, the dot bomb era that like we call it, you know, it's interop and all the uh, different shows. Where, you know, I spent a lot of time in Vegas and I don't even gamble, um, but it was kind of neat because you get to see, uh, I get to see the launch of XM radio and they had the, was it the Abio, the robot dog that um, mm. would run for like 10, 15 minutes and it would run out of battery and have to wait three hours to do it again. Um, <laughs> Come back at six o'clock for the feeding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. It's, yeah, it's kind of funny it's, you know, how things have changed. Um, yeah, but uh, it's the good old days. I, no one goes to Vegas anymore, do they, for any of the shows? I don't think they do that anymore. <laughs> no, they do. They do. Now <laughs> it's really? things like the, uh, oh, what are the, the Blue Men and, and, but there's still other shows. I mean, CES is still a thing and people are still yeah. going to that and, and, Checking it out and all the new technology, although now it's all of the virtual and the AI and the ML. So all, all acronyms that most people listening to this podcast should know. <laughs> yeah, you'd help, right? Um, Compared to the know, POTS lines. Yeah, the old POTS lines, yeah. And it reminds me of talking about the POTS lines is that you know, we just went to a, a VoIP system that's hosted on in the cloud. And okay. you know, we were doing it. I thought back in the old days, we had to plug all that stuff in and get everything running. And you wanted to move a phone system. It was a you know a year-long process to take everything down and put a new um, system in. And uh, we actually just um, swung over to uh, a new phone system. And it was pretty easy. We just, they, they swung the lines over and they rolled up everything in the cloud. And we put uh, wave phones in the office and connect them to the internet. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of we've, crazy. we've actually yeah. been doing that for around eight years now, and and it was a game changer. It, it sure made life a lot easier. Got rid of all of the um, now I can't even think of those types of of lines, but the uh, the um, uh, it bugs me that I can't remember now. Now all I have is direct internet connections, DIA connections, yeah. and the DIDs is what I'm Yeah, so well, all the DID line, yeah. Yeah, we've got the DIDs so that you've got the direct inward dialed so you can reach to yeah. somebody's desk. But then, you know, call centers and, and um, it's all around bandwidth. I I remember we started with doing VoIP, Cisco VoIP back in 2002 and, and trying to have the MPLS and the redundancy and the bandwidth and all of the different things that, that required. Oh, that was a frustrating setup and trying to have disaster recovery um i did notice some some um disaster recovery in in your resume so you know keep moving forward let's 2000s and uh um now you're like the director of technical services um at a data center where were you doing telecom pos support yeah, did, did telecom we, did, we were in the whole data center we did uh telecom support and we also did uh, end user support for uh, from our locations um about that time i worked for um uh, actually rent a center a big rent to own and they were pretty big at the time um about two or three thousand locations we were all over the country so we had actually uh, did a lot with mpls back then for our internet connectivity for each of the sites and bringing it all back in into uh, our data center um because we ran everything out of there with that. i think we had this Cisco, those big 6,500s. I think we had like eight of them. Uh, but thousands of locations? Literally thousands? Yeah. Man, I cannot fathom dealing with a network like that, especially back then. It, it's 
I had a, lot, a pretty big staff and a lot of smart people. It wasn't just me, but you know, we, we you know, we, I, I still call it whiteboard and you know, get there and start drawing stuff because one little, one little issue and you'd have to check everything because it could be become a big issue because if it started in, you know, one little place in nowhere, Maine, it could actually balloon into half of New York state and New York, Texas being down, which is a big deal. And so took a lot of monitoring. Um, yeah, it was a big network. There was a lot. We had, you know, literally had uh, people from Verizon at the time that we were doing with our vendor. They would actually come on site every week uh, and go through the billing as well as the reports and the logs. And they had people monitoring it along with us so we could catch up before it actually started falling down. So we've and, now entered into the, the true era of um, most everybody in business having a cell phone. What, what was your first cell phone or, or were you one of the ones that got one of the car phones? I did. I had the car phone, uh, the old bag phone. Um, <laughs> you know, went in the trunk of my car and hooked up into my car, but you could carry it if you had to go someplace because I had to change cars. Um, and I had the bag phone and I had the uh, the Blackberry when it was just a pager. Um, okay. You know, it was about the same size as a regular Blackberry, but it was a big pager. And then I get rid of both of those. My company bought me a, uh, remember the old SkyTel two-way pager? Yeah. Uh, and I had that for a little while. That was really cool and didn't have a phone. And then I had the brick phone, the old Motorola. I think everybody had that big square Motorola phone. Yeah, I remember those things. That, yeah. That I can just see the shape of it with that big old, now you kind of associate it to the satellite phones, but that big old thick antenna. Yeah. And I think the coolest one I ever had was when the, the StarTech came out. You know, they finally got a cool phone. Um, Man, Motorola StarTech. I, now I remember that one. It was kind of one of the, First clamshells, I think. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was pretty at the time. It was pretty sleek. <laughs> it was pretty slick. It's kind of funny. Some of the new, the new phones remind me of some of those old flip phones back in the day. Uh, yeah, they're getting <laughs> popular again. <laughs> yeah, it's weird how we go backwards, <laughs> right? <laughs> Return from whence you came. And I, I still have my trio. Uh, I think everybody had a trio at one point, right? You know, with the keyboard and. The, um, uh, What's the software they used to use? One of the total blank now. Um, we get the email on their phone, so it was, um, yeah, it was the Palm, Palm. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah the Palm yeah. Trio. Oh man, yeah, the Palm Trio, yeah. And yeah, <laughs> I I remember trying to keep that stuff alive into like 2010. Um, that <laughs> software for those people who just would not let it go. <laughs> I'd have my Trio. Yeah, I had a boss who was like that. And he, you know, he said, yeah, I said, yeah, you can get one of those. You know, like a newer PDA, and then smartphones came out. And I said, you know, the iPhone, he used to have one that. And he still had the tree. We finally got him off of a BlackBerry. And like two years later, you know, BlackBerry started going away, and I, I thought he was going to kill me. Um, we moved into an iPhone, and now he, he has a, you know, he always wants a new one every year. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my, my family's given me a hard time about the uh, cell phone, how often I switch cell phones. Like right now, I'm I'm rocking one that's a little over a year old, and and they're like looking at me, going, "Wait a minute, what's wrong, Dad? Why haven't you gotten a new one?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine was like a year and a half, almost two years old. I just actually finally broke down and bought a new one um, because my now, battery was dying. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe how expensive they are now, and then there's no funding from the uh, the um, mobile providers or the cellular providers. Oh. Yeah, used to get the phone with the deal, right? You know, you'd say, I'll sign up for a year and or two years, and they give you a phone. Yeah. 
Not anymore. Yeah, you're back to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not anymore. It's crazy. But they do a lot more now. So you, I know that we, you know, we run our you know Office 365 and um, OneDrive and ShareFile and all that on the phone now. So if somebody's traveling, they pretty much have all the access to everything they need on their phone. So it kind of changed the way we do our business um, and our security as well. So it creates a whole new whole new issue um, with um, that stuff. So. Yeah, that definitely made a huge change to the way that we're doing business. It um, made it it made it a little easier when COVID hit us in 2020. But it also, I'm sure you had some other challenges because let's see, 2020, where were you at? You were you were with the, the current people, right? Yeah, yeah, March, the Bio Pharma, uh, yeah, 2018. Yeah, so doing. Go ahead, talk to me. Let's let's yeah. jump forward to that. Let's talk about yeah, what it was like when future. when all of that started coming out. How how quickly did you have to pivot, or did you already have the infrastructure up? No, we had talked about it. So you know, we do manufacturing, so the manufacturing had to change how they did theirs. So they went to shift work, so people couldn't stand close together. And but the on the business side, um, we had to pivot pretty quick. We had talked about going virtual and doing some other things, and it was like a year long process to do that. And uh, the uh, CFO came in and said, you know, how fast can you do it? And I said, well, it'll take a couple of months. And he said, I need it done in a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> and we had just moved over to the, the, the hosted VoIP system. So that was easy. But all the that computers helped. we had, yeah, we, we had computers on site in the little data center. And I was like, well, I don't know how this is going to work. But we had some of them virtualized, so that made it a little easier. Um, so we worked with a third-party vendor. And we virtualized everything and ran it to the cloud and um, took uh, just a couple of weeks and got everything up in the cloud and moved a lot of stuff to the share file and that we could with our systems that we had in place. We had to modify a lot of stuff and train people. And then the biggest issue was um, finding laptops and stuff for people to use. Um, You know, one of the things that really surprised me about my people was I'm I'm so used to it and I just you know you got fiber at home um, I I don't have fiber but I've got the fastest network connection I can get out of any of the um, the third or the the providers that are in my neighborhood and um, as we started sending people home to have people come up and say uh, I don't have an internet connection at home it just flabbergasted me I did I just couldn't conceive of it and I think it's just because of the uh, the role that I'm in and the work that I do that, you know, I just assumed everybody had that. Did you guys run into any of that? Yeah, we did. And that was the thing. Um, we, um, we had a problem with, we kind of just thought it was, uh, you know, like just one off. We had a lot of salespeople that were out in the field and they were still, you know, still employed, but because they traveled, they didn't have internet. Like, well, what do you mean? How do you do your work? And they go, well, you give me an iPad that has a data connection. I just use that. Like okay, well then just keep using that, and then of course they can't uh, can't check their mail and uh, all that stuff all the time. You know, do spreadsheets on the iPads, and then we had to change the plan and get them uh, to use laptops. And then buying laptops, like I said, was hard, but it's amazing. A lot of people had laptops, but um, we had a group that did not have internet connection. I was like, well, how do you you know don't you like watch movies or you know? Oh yeah, I watch it on the iPad or watch it on my phone. Like really, like, huh? Uh, never thought of that. You know, a lot of uh, it's surprising. A lot of the younger people didn't, the ones that didn't have internet. Um, I would say a lot. I mean, we had probably 10, 20 that didn't have it. 
and just it amazed me. Yeah, I was I was dumbfounded. Like you have no internet at home. Yeah. <laughs> All of those cord cutters, and it amazes me too. You know, I I provide network connectivity at home, and my kids are wandering around just staring at their phones, versus that that forty inch TV that's hanging on the wall in their room, and they they're not even streaming it from their phone to the TV. They just leave the TV off. <laughs> yeah, they watch their phones. It's my sons. I, I have two younger sons, and you know, they're in their twenties now. I should say younger, but um, they do that all the time. They'll watch a movie and you know see them their phone. Like, well, you have a TV, right? And uh, one just moved out, and he has an apartment, and he has a. I gave one of my old TVs, you know, like forty inch TV, and uh, he hasn't turned it on. He's in the week. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, that was a good present, I guess. <laughs> Everybody watches his phone. Yeah, I, I can't. That's yeah, same here. And, and you know, I went over fifty, so now I have to have the glasses, especially if the, I need to read anything. <laughs> yeah, was, what's the nice part about the, the iPhone? Right, you can zoom the text in and out. <laughs> yeah, you know, for sure. In the old days, you're kind of stuck with it. Now you can actually zoom it in, zoom out, look at the you know, picture and stuff. But yeah, yeah. So uh, back to Spur, real quick. We had to virtualize everything pretty quick. We did uh, VDIs then, you know, the virtual desktop environment. Um, we rolled it out and a bunch of people would just use their iPad and remote into the computer or uh, use their own personal computer remote and it changed, it literally changed the entire infrastructure of the company. And with that, all the security and all the other issues that go with that stuff. Yeah, we, we had virtualized a lot, had a lot of things up in the cloud. And, and one of the primary things that we had set up for ourselves is we had the um, terminal services set up and, and virtualized apps instead of just virtualized desktops. So we were, oh, and we, we really, what we did was we had users use their home computers, the ones that had them and the ones that had internet connections. We had them come through the, uh, you know, Active Directory and, and the terminal servers and then sling into the corporate office and then they could remote into their desktop. So it was still behind the firewalls and secure. They they weren't able to transfer files in and out, but um, from their home to work, but on their work computer, they had all of the access and all of the things that they were used to. Um, it was just now through their screen at, at home. We, we ended up giving, a, or not giving out, but lending out a whole bunch of monitors so that people could have dual monitors at home and, and tweaking the setups on the uh, terminal services so that they could have that access or use multiple monitors on their home PC. It's one of the ways that we got through it, but but we didn't have anywhere near the level of compliance and, and security that you had to have with the uh, HIPAA and FDA and DEA. Yeah, that, that's where some of our issues came into is keeping stuff compliant. So we did the virtual desktops to make it easier. Um, you talk about, we did do terminal for the um, accounting team, and that they're actually still remote um, to this day. Uh, they actually uh, seem to be doing better than they were in the office. Uh, but you, you know, we had data scientists, and we had scientists on staff that had to get into stuff. And uh, you talk about the monitors. We actually bought big monitors for them so they could remote it and do their data because they had big stuff, you know, screens they would look this data with. Um, and they would take turns coming into the office to, to get the test kicked off and then watch it remotely. So they had cameras and remote desktop and all kinds of stuff to go along with that. Uh, the systems, because systems weren't made to be remoted into because they're supposed to be secure. So we had to work around that but and still be compliant, which is difficult. But, uh, you know, oh, uh, took a little bit, but yeah. But we got it working. It was impressively, I have to say. It was 
Uh, yeah, as, as critical infrastructure, we still had, I think the lowest we ever got was somewhere in the 50 to 40 percent um, still in the office. And, and of course, we did all of the social distancing. So that was part of it. Um, it, it didn't take but a couple of weeks of me working at home before my wife was like, uh, go back to the office. <laughs> I need a space. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. Yeah, my wife's like, oh, no, 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 we're not doing this. Um, <laughs> so I, actually, I was in the office pretty much the whole way through the, the whole COVID thing because um, it was easier to deal with stuff there because no one was in the office. Uh, we had manufacturing, but um, they were doing ships and then the corporate side and the, and the, and the office infrastructure. There was literally no one but a couple of IT people. So we all worked and just kind of sat where we wanted because the office is pretty empty. And uh, so we had plenty of space and uh, actually a lot more done that way, I think, because uh, they didn't have to worry you know, with the dog barking or the power outage or anything else because it's a, a facility, you know, pretty hard mm-hmm. with that kind of stuff. Yeah. So Blurred yeah. backgrounds, virtual backgrounds, green screens, yeah. all of that <laughs> funny stuff. <laughs> Yeah, a couple times with people and you yeah, turn their camera on and you could tell they've been lounging about on for a couple of days. <laughs> so one of the other things that I always wonder about and am looking for and want to help the uh, next generation with is, you know, what are, what do you feel are the things or the attributes that helped you get out from being in, in the server room or programming or in the network closet and those kinds of things? How did you... Or what were the tricks or what were the things that helped you become a leader within IT, let alone within the organization? Because, you know, senior director of IT, so you're talking to the CEO, you've put that down many a times that you're working with the the C-suite throughout your resume. Um, Was it just having personality or was it something being forced into that interaction? What what kind of things helped you get out? That's a good point. It was kind of both in my early career because um, when I had left, I say left, moved from the engineering department into into the MIS at the time, as we called it, um, the engineers would talk to me because they knew me. So they wouldn't go to the IT department. And it kind of forced me to be able to talk to them and, and make a point to try to explain to them, like, yeah, no, we, we can't make a 3D model of your. <laughs> we, just, we just can't do that, you know. He's like, "Well, I saw it on a movie. That, no, that was that was Star Trek, and we're not Star Trek." Yeah, and so I have to explain to him what we could do and what we couldn't do. I think they helped me in that part of my career to to get a little more out to the people. But I find now going forward, you know, I do have to be technical and work with my technical team and understand their thought process and how they work. But um, you know, it's important, I think, for an IT leader to also understand what the other people are doing. You know, working with the C-suite isn't everybody's uh, in everybody's uh, uh, wheelhouse, so to speak. But they still talk to people. I think that you know, for an IT leader to start off with, you know, when you're talking to people, is remember they're not IT, which is really hard for us, right? You know, that's why we call us IT nerds. Um, you know, we have really hard times. Somebody says, you know, hey, can we do this? And like, oh, are you kidding me? I have a you know, flux capacitor with uh, thirty thousand gigawatts of yeah, and they like they, their face was blank. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I find it interesting yeah. that that you, in, in the beginning of it, you were translating nerd to geek, <laughs> and, yeah. and then you finally went from from nerd and geek into business, and and that's that's one of the things that I found that I had to do was a lot of that translation, be able to to really talk to the uh, 
<laughs> I'm one of them, but to the uh, the backroom dwellers, I was going to call us cave dwellers, but um, <laughs> you know the the people that just want just slide me some pizza, man, some pizza and an energy drink, and leave me alone. To the uh, the business people who are they're worried about that bottom line. They're worried about the yeah. efficiency, the uh, um, what it means to the business, and and how does it how does it affect the business? What's it going to cost, and what's it going to return? You know, that's that return on investment. If you don't know that, <laughs> yeah, um, figure it and, out. In a lot of in a lot of ways, and I think because we're we're you know we always we were a cost center, we not a revenue generator. Um, is what they always tell us, but the sales team needs you know, the iPads and the cell phones and the laptops and the connectivity and you know and all the stuff that they need around it uh, to sell their stuff. But they still they consider a cost uh, a cost center versus revenue. And I, you know, I found that you know keeping that mindset when you're dealing that you know making friends with the CFO um, was the first thing, and it wasn't easy because the CFO always says, "Okay, well, can you do it for half the price?" Um, <laughs> you know, well, yeah. If you, if you want wind up toys, we can do that. And uh, you know, I found that you know dealing with the business side of it and the CFO I now actually are friends. And uh, if I start to say something, he'll say he'll look at me and he'll say EBITDA. I go what? And he goes exactly. I won't do it if you don't do it. <laughs> yeah. And, Earnings yeah. before taxes, taxes and oh depreciation taxes and uh, taxes and. Yep. Yeah, so <laughs> you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think you know. I think for the for the young leaders today, and there's some great young leaders out there, um, because they want to bridge that gap. And I think uh, one of the things we have in IT today, different than we did back in the day, is a lot more people. Not that they know the technology, but they understand it a little better. They're not amazed by VoIP and you know gig connections, and because they all everybody has cell phones and they have smartphones and stuff, but they do lack that knowledge of what it really can do. And so as an IT leader, you can leverage that, I think, to get a better relationship with the end user going, yeah, because you can take it from that level and move forward versus from ground zero. Uh, I I used to deal with, when I first started my career with the guys that would draw everything with a pencil on a big sheet of paper. Yeah. (laughs) And then, you know, now it's all computer generated and, you know, there's no drafting tables in our whole building. But yeah, we saw drawings that they do on CAD. One of my my directors is always he's not drawing it on paper, but he's going to the whiteboard. He's standing up and starting to explain and and they just have to draw it out. They got to draw it out, work, work through it. And sometimes just that that process of it helps helps them understand it better and just makes it easier for them to explain. But even the geek on geek discussions, they're they're drawing things out. Yeah, I, I, I can be honest. I, I still default to my whiteboard, and sometimes it helps me get it in my head. And uh, some of the, the of a young lady that works for me, and it's kind of funny because she just, I'll start drawing and said, Does that help you? And she said, No, it doesn't help you at all. But you keep going. That hurt a little bit. I'm not going to lie, but, yeah, but I still do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. I, I think, yeah. It's hard leading people today because because of the technology as well as the other issue we didn't have is they they think they know it. So you know, hey, I have a cousin who works in IT. Well, no, he works at Best Buy. That's not the same thing. You know, you have those. Uh, that's well, a little different. Than- I've I've run into a, I'm starting to run into more of a, a different generation too. These, <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, we started working with RPA. 
and and of course we're calling them bots and and some of the uh, older IT people are trying to figure out okay what do we got to do to build the <clears throat> the back end databases so that we can optimize these things and so they can go faster and and we brought in somebody new who um had done a little bit of stuff with it but she was doing customer service and and she just like took to it like a, a duck to water and her way of thinking of it is different than those of us that have been around for a while and so she's got a different approach to it um but i i think it has to do with that that generation that you know grew up and always had this level of technology with them the ones that you ask them what what a collect phone call is and they go um isn't that when they call you and they're trying to get money from you <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's newbie and prince right um yeah yeah, it's funny because my, my one son is actually studying a, a data science and he gets it like hands down. He goes, oh, I get, you know, some of the programming stuff he doesn't get so much, but he understands how the whole thing works. He can visualize it, um, but he didn't know how to use a dial phone. Um, <laughs> so his grandmother's house, he picked up and he goes, he's making noise. It's called a dial tone, son. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he got you know, the other stuff that he, he understands it. Um, I think probably because he works with that stuff all day. Um, while he's playing as well, you know, the new games and all the technology because of those games and the graphics and, and then as well as, um, you know, all the information at the fingertips, it makes a big difference. All right. You know what? You, you just made me think of a completely divergent question here. Favorite video game. You had to have played a couple of them. Well, the doom is you know, the only one at the time. Um, <laughs> Uh, I like I like Halo, and I hate to admit it. Um, I mean, you know, my son will play. We'll sit down and play a little bit of Halo, and a friend of mine said, you know, "Really?" I said, "I don't know. It's just kind of cool, you know." You know, the guy comes out of the sky and he just kind of lands and he starts moving. It just amazes me. It's just so much fun. Um, but you know, in my head, I'm thinking, "Wow, how much is the processing is going on to get this scenery?" And and you turn your head, and it it literally is instantaneously generating that view, and it just it amazes me. I think it's a really cool game. So, but it's fun, yeah. Have you had you a chance the big, to play with any the big virtual? Uh, I've tried it, um, but no, I'm not, not actually played any virtual games like in depth. I did try one of the shows. Uh, Sony had the headset, or uh -huh. Samsung, I mean, had they had the headset and the phone. And that was pretty cool because um, they used the controls. The phone was in the headset, and you kind of turn, and it was uh, it was kind of amazing. Yeah, your your description of talking about how you know looking around and how everything was being rendered and everything just kind of made me think of of the virtual realities and some of those and and I remember the first chance I got to play with one and and you know thinking back to Space Invaders and how it was such a two dimensional top down kind of experience and then going into the virtual world where you know things are coming at you from every direction absolutely every direction and trying to play and clear the uh, the air, so to speak, in that kind of a world was just a um, such a difference. And and I mean that's that's the same kind of the same kind of difference in technology from where we started this conversation to where we're at today. Um, everything coming at you from every different direction. How's yeah. how's your um, workload on a day to day basis? How are you doing with that? Because I know I'm personally I'm drowning, and the organization is demanding things faster than they've ever wanted them before, and there are more and more requests. 
yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it, it's, uh, um, it's a lot. I mean, you get to stop. Uh, I, I always like to use a phrase. Sometimes I have no idea what's going on. Um, because there's so much stuff coming in. Uh, and it's the, uh, we always call it the Amazon mentality at work at the, the team. And they go, well, I want this. And they go, okay, we we'll get, can you guys deliver this tomorrow? Uh, next day delivery. Like, well, no, it's not that easy. You know, <laughs> we've got to build it all out. And, you know, uh, but yeah, it, it puts a heavier workload because there's a lot more going on, a lot more and technology changes and people want something different. You know, the sales team as they go through, they go to a, a conference and they come back and go, why can't we do this? And if we do this, why can't we do this? And we, you know, our guys are not really sales guys. They're more of a, um, a company reps. I do a lot with data. So uh, you've got to have the dynamic kind of data with um, on all times. And that changes. You know, so that's you know, not like the old days you do a cube and run it and read a report. And this is like live data. So as they move from place to place, it gives them all the points that they need for their discussions within that region. And it's demographics, it's uh, age gaps, it's uh, uh, race, um, money. So they need all these different things. Where are they going? Because that's who they, they deal with. And it depends on what neighborhood they're in as to how they deal with the with the uh, the doctors and the hospitals that they go to. So it, it makes it for a really busy day. Um, I think I'm down to seven days a week now. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you only have to work seven days a week. <laughs> yeah, it's only down to seven. Yeah, I, I, I'd limit you to sixteen, sixteen to twenty four hours a day, seven days. A week. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, and a cell phone, like you said earlier, the cell phone's amazing because. Uh, you can be on vacation. You can be out of country. You can be in the jungle, and it's like your phone works everywhere now. Or it used to be, if you're off, you're off. Um, I think that's the biggest yeah. we have today with some uh, burnout. Is that you, you're, it's always on. So um, yeah, well, and and it's one of the things that I've I've learned to do is just be able to set that thing down, and and or segregate from the work life that's contained within it to the personal life. And so I pay attention to my stuff on the weekends. And, you know, I, I know that I've got my coworkers set so that if they need me, text or call, because I'm not necessarily watching email all the time. You're not going to get a 15-minute response from me on, on email. But if you text me or call me, you'll get a much faster response. Yeah, I had to start doing that because it, it was getting literally way too much. It was that, and COVID was bad because people had more time and, and they were working odd, lot of odd hours. Um, but when I came back to work, I thought that would slow down, but it didn't seem to slow down. It just kind of changed a little bit. Um, but you still have people, you know, five o'clock on a Saturday morning that think that uh, I'm always sitting with my phone in my hand. Uh, they, they need something, and then, yeah, to set it down and walk away is hard. You know, it took a lot of. Uh, inner strength to do that because i'm so used to being right there and being able to answer questions to sit down and walk away and do something is um is uh, relatively new for me but it, it makes a big difference in managing uh, the load yeah the pressure of the load i should say yeah all right so so making friends with the cfo being able to yep. translate geek to business um right. uh, understanding the the cost factor and and ebitda um what yeah. other things yeah, you know, and I think uh, just in general is um, is uh, I was I tell my staff is you know be nice, uh, and it it sounds silly, but it's one of those things that if you uh, if somebody's when they call you they're already mad, right? No one never no one ever calls to help us or calls IT because they want to see how you're doing, so they're already in a bad mood. So the, the key there is to, to address it accordingly, just kind of talk them off the ledge. 
But I think you know all those things. Understand the business, why they're calling, what the impact is to them, not just for yourself, but you know, somebody an accounting calls and says they can't enter and to pay bills. That's a big deal to them. It may not seem that much to you, but you know, understanding what they're doing. And I think that um, you know, understanding the technology is advanced, and that um, people know more than they used to. You couldn't just tell them you're hiding their token for the token ring in the closet. Yeah, you need a new token. Um, yeah, now they have a general idea. So I think you know, you're taking a different approach altogether. But uh, yeah, I wonder how many people listening to this got that one. <laughs> yeah, that's an old that's an old joke there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That back to the S four hundred. Yep, well, it's back to yeah, back to the good old days. <laughs> but yeah, I think that you know today is and it's uh, my son had just showed me a TikTok TikTok video, which is a. <laughs> funny in itself, but about um, a young lady was moved because her boss was nice. I was like, wow, I found that amazing that somewhere along the line, people kind of quit being nice. I think that, um, you know, it's not really everybody, but you, know, you always hear about the worst stuff. But I think, too, is that when people call, they initially want something fixed now. And to understand that that's their mindset, and you have to talk them off that ledge. They go, okay, I can't fix it right now sometimes. And sometimes it's going to have to take a little longer and being patient with them because there's that, uh, like I said, oh, the Amazon mentality. You know, Amazon's great. Um, you get what you need quickly, but the uh, the expectations around that and around for people has really made it a little more difficult for IT and anybody in the support industry, I think, in my opinion. So. Yeah, agreed for sure. I mean, it was one of the, it took me a little while to pick up on that lesson. And typically it was more when I was being the one requesting that support and help where like we'd have a network outage and I'm on the phone with the ISP and I finally got a person who's talking to me, helping me work through all of the issues. And and for me, the C-suite would show up over my shoulder and start just, they're, they're yelling at me, trying to get me to move faster and want me yelling at the other guy. And I'm like, I, I'm not yelling at him. He's helping me. I want him to be my friend. I don't want him thinking, how can I get this guy off the phone? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I want them, you know, invested in helping me succeed and, and to get services restored. And and you definitely get that with kindness a little better than you do with, or at least I do, than with yelling at people and screaming at them. Because, yeah, I haven't been able to catch many um, bees with that that kind of honey. <laughs> yeah, it just didn't seem to work. Now, it's you know, it's a, it's a it's amazing when you uh, uh, just a quick story. The CEO had called me, me yelling and screaming. And I said, well, you know, hey, let's just check your, he's at home working, let's check your uh, router and reboot it. And he kept, it's just, he's reboots an old uh, Linksys router. He said, no, that's not what it is. That's, mm-hmm. you know, so I, okay, okay. And again, he's being very terse. And, so, you know, all right, well, but then, listen, when you figure it out, give me a call back, we'll walk through it, you know, um, a little calmer maybe. And so, Bob, are you right here? I'll, as a matter of fact, I'm going to take my phone with me, even in the bathroom. You know, you call, I'll answer right away. And, uh, I thought he was going to hang up and he'd get real quiet and he goes, I'm sorry. What would you like me to do? I said, well, let's walk through that. You know, I understand. I'll stand up in the hallway. He rebooted it and took the 10 minutes and didn't come back. His router was acting up. And I said, let's just unplug it and wait, you know, a couple of minutes. And it did that. And I said, well, you know, hey, your son plays soccer, right? How's it going? You know, the season's still going on. And we started talking. And next thing, okay, it's been, you know, five minutes. He said, really? Yeah. Plugged it back in. Everything worked. But, you know, taking the time to, to talk him off the ledge really helped uh, 
the conversation and get things done more efficiently instead of yelling and screaming for 10 minutes. So we took five minutes and talked about something and I got him off the ledge and he was calmer and, and we got fixed. I think it's a, just something to keep in mind and I think it's a, a good, useful tool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a calm attitude and, and some kindness to help. Yeah. And, and then they know that you're invested in trying to help them solve that problem, whatever that happens to be. Speaking exactly. of which, what about what about the um, the ticket that just sticks in your mind, or that that phone call, that trouble ticket? Not not necessarily the CEO, but what's what's one of the uh, the cases that just he just shake your head from that that stuck with you? Well, you know, I, I, this is it's great, and uh, because to this day, and it was way back in the uh, boy, it must have been the early two thousands. Uh, and a gentleman had a laptop and we were actually in the office and I was in my office and the power went out in the whole building. Like the whole building's out. Right. So I'm because it's a laptop. <laughs> yeah. So he walked in and the glow of the laptop's on his face. He's got the laptop in his hand. He goes, I, I can't get to the network. <laughs> it's pitch, it's pitch, pitch black. So I just calmly took his laptop and turned around so you can see my face. I gave that look like, really? And I handed it back to him. And when I handed it back to him, his head was down. And you could see his face going, oh, geez. You know, because prior to that, he had desktops when power's out, power's out. But since his screen was still on, he just figured everything else was on. But he came in the pitch black to tell me that. <laughs> and to this day, it still sticks my line because I think sometimes what people, they get so involved with what they're doing, um, they just miss the point. I, let's say, gee, gee the floor is wet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, if, yeah. if you flip this one on me, I was going to come up with something kind of the same where it was it was one of those times where it was me. I, I spent like an hour and a half, two hours troubleshooting uh, a desktop with a guy and and he swore the power button wasn't working. And and I knew which desk he was sitting at. I could picture the computer. I knew how it was set up. He's in one of our other offices that's 45 miles away. And and he it he swears the computer just will not turn on. And so I'm troubleshooting things with him. I'm talking to him about where's where's the um, the power strip plugged in? Is the power strip turned on? And we're following cords. And and I'm walking him through all of these things. And and finally, I'm like, wait a minute. You know, which button are you pushing? And and what happens when you push it? And and I finally realize he's pushing the power button on the monitor. <laughs> and turning the monitor on and off and and not understanding why the computer won't come up. And and the lesson for me there was that, you know, sometimes the simplest answer is the right one. <laughs> right, yeah. and, and, and I had to, I immediately bypassed that one going, no, nah, no way. It can't be that. It can't be that he's pushing the wrong power button. Um so, you know, I put in an hour and a half, two hours trying to help him walk through all of these things. And it just was, yeah, facepalm, double facepalm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we have a lot of moments like that. You know, so yeah. talking through his keyboard not working and finding out that it's unplugged. Um, <laughs> that never happened to me. Yeah. Oh, well, no. Did. Yeah. <laughs> you ever done nothing, it to yourself? Nothing, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I had the little cordless and I had the little dongle plugged in the wrong. It was plugged in and I was like, it wasn't working. I, I, I almost called the help desk too. I was kind of embarrassed. I got and walked away. I walked back in. I was like, oh my God, it's plugged in the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good thing. A good thing you didn't submit a ticket. <laughs> right. Oh, no, they never let me it down. <laughs> oh, That's great. Yeah. So, any other tricks or any other um, lessons that you've learned over the, uh, the three decades? Yeah. You know, I, I, um, uh, I have to say that, you know, the, um, the, uh, the biggest thing in IT is always that, like I guess earlier, when people call, they don't call because they're happy. Um, it just doesn't happen. But you know, when you set that that um, relationship up, it spreads faster. It makes it a lot easier because you know they're upset, but they're more willing to talk to you about what's going on. And they'll, you know, like you said, when you walk through the steps, um, they're a little easier to to, to deal with uh, when they're checking the power cords and things of that nature. And I think you know the the thing today is all the technologies change so much that. Um, you're jumping from laptops and MacBooks to iPads and iPhones and, and jumping around. Um, it's a lot to keep track of, um, but having a good diverse team that, you know, uh, we call them SMEs, you know, subject matter experts. I take and they cross train everybody, but make sure that people are, um, we have a subject matter expert, but then he has a backup or she has a backup. And that gives us the ability to do what we need to get done. But also something gets heavy. Uh, we can't figure out that the, uh, the powers and the buildings out. Um, you know, you can call somebody and they kind of go, Oh, this is, this is probably going to be this. And it does help a lot, especially with the manufacturing side of things. Cause it's so unique, um, that, uh, having somebody that specializes in is important, but also that they cross train somebody else. So they have the ability to talk through an issue sometimes that does help. Um, I think that's a key, making sure everybody at least understands what everybody else is doing. I think that's what, uh, has made us successful. Yeah, that's. I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I've always tried to drive home and, and make sure you got to remember what the goal is, um, and or sometimes you got to dig out the goal. There's so many times that they call, they're upset, and they know exactly what they want, but but all they have is Excel, so everything looks like a, a, a formula problem. <laughs> trying yeah. to put the new twist on the that if you got a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Um, and so there's so many times where the toolkit that I'm aware of brings so many more solutions um, that, but if I don't ask what the goal is, then I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hand them the hammer. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, start off with you know what, what are you trying to do? Uh, that's always a good question. You know, they're trying to. They, I need Adobe Acrobat Pro. And they go through the whole issue. So what are you trying to do? Try and sign a document. Yeah, well we have. DocuSign. I was going to just go up here and upload it and send it off to be signed. And we actually use right signature. But um, sometimes it's asking questions up front. Um, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I forget that. You know, so uh, when I hand them the hammer, they're <laughs> looking for a nail file. <laughs> yeah. Here's the hammer. Go away. <laughs> go, yeah. Just leave my office. Yeah. And, and that that reminds me of those guys that just say, here, just move over. Let me sit here. Let me sit there. I'll I'll fix it for you. <laughs> yeah, just, just get out of my way. <laughs> I had my uh, uh, CFO does that. He'll, you know, he'll call and go, what, "What are you doing?" Like, "Oh God, this can't be good." <laughs> well, <laughs> what do you need? What do you need? He'll say, "Can you come over here?" I said, "Yes." And he'll he's actually when I walk in his office, he's actually standing next to his desk with his arms crossed. I'm like, why don't you sit down? I'll show you how to do this. No, no, just do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, so it was kind of funny. 
I, if I show you how to do it, then I don't have to do it again next week. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like once, uh, but twice a month, his printer doesn't work. And so it's the same thing. You know, it's like, well, you know, you unplugged it. No, I didn't. Okay. Well, somebody unplugged it. Let's do this. We'll just fix it for me. <laughs> So I'm not sure what happens. <laughs> well, let's get a camera on this to see who does it. <laughs> we'll yeah. Bust them for you. <laughs> I got the, I got them for you. <laughs> what, do you oh. do? what he does, he takes his docking station home, then he forgets to plug stuff in. So, but I can't tell him. It's, it's, it, he'll get over it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's always fun with those ones where you're like, uh, uh, it's um, um, here. Let me just get that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just move. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, man. <laughs> well, it's been an awesome discussion. Hey, is there anything out there that you want to promote? Anything that you're doing on the side, your personal, uh, personal life? Uh, you know, no, it's, uh, I literally, you know, it seems like I, all I ever do is work. But, you know, I liked, um, you know, in my, uh, just a real quick, uh, there's a young lady, at, uh, Alicia, that works for me. She was working the front desk and had just a little bit of IT experience. And she was embarrassed and didn't think it was deep enough. And I found out, and I said, you, know, you got to tell people. So if you think you can do it, tell somebody. It's it's always worth a shot. And it gives them really, like you mentioned that young lady earlier, sometimes it gives them really good talent from the, the strangest places. And they end up being really good at uh, what they do. And I, I tell about, I, I always tell, and I talk to people on management and working with teams is, you know, sometimes it's a good idea to give that person a chance because it may just benefit both of you. Yeah, it, and actually, you know, that's a very good point because I've I've seen more of that, and and I've always had, I can teach people technology, but trying to find somebody that has the personality or believes in or, or subscribes to the culture, uh, and wants to be helpful and useful, um, that those are a little harder to find. You can't necessarily teach that. That's that seems to be something that's innate. In people, yeah, it is. I think it's uh, um, and when you get those kind of people, they're the people hold on to too, so, um, because they're more apt to move on because they're good at what they do, not just because they're technically sound, but also because they can tell people about how technically they're sound are in a good way. Yeah, yeah, they have they have the those communication skills that that are yeah. needed so that they can talk and translate between. Business to business, business to mechanics, business to nerd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And that last one's the hardest sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, man. Yeah, because of that glaze in the eyes that, that we've all seen. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the new one's cybersecurity. It's uh, oh man, those meetings and it's it's the looks on people's faces. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a fishing and smishing, and I start talking, and they they know the terms, but then they still don't get it. You know, like, they start glazing and thinking about the lake house and <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like ooh, fishing. 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 Yeah. yeah. I want to grill. Simpson drool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's a big thing. I think you don't click it. That's that's what I tell you. Don't don't click it. Yeah. Yeah. The CEO is not gonna ask for an Amazon card. <laughs> <laughs> or a Google card, yeah. Google or, gift card. Google yeah, gift card, yeah, it's just back on it. I mean, if it's for me, you go ahead and do it. But otherwise, it's just bad. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, Matt. Well, anything else? No, Mike, that's great. It was great talking. Yeah, it's reminiscing. It's kind of fun. I think it's, um, I don't get a lot of talk because uh, a lot of times people, even the guys have been around for a while, uh, 
most of the guys that deal with that work for me and stuff are still young enough. They don't know what a, I think AS400 is a car. Um, <laughs> you know, like they compete with Tesla? No, no, it's, it's actually never mind. Um, yeah, backup tapes is another one. We just had a discussion about what backup tapes were, and a guy said, You mean like real tape? And I said, Yeah. And he goes, well, I thought that was just a phrase. I'm like, what? He goes, I said, Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> so we, yeah. <laughs> disc to disc, disc to tape, tape to yeah. off site. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a big mountain somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ever, ever watched Mr. Robot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, oh, yeah, but it's always fun. It's always fun talking about reminiscing. It's uh, been a long time, you know, from the beginning to uh, the dot bombs up until today. It just seems like everything's interconnected. You know, they would say the Internet of Things, which I hate that phrase as well, almost as much as the cloud. Um, but it's true. You know, everything kind of connects nowadays. So you have to be really careful. So we talk about security. It's it's not just computers anymore. It's everything. Yeah. So. Yeah. Amen on Makes that. You know, you were bringing up a bunch of the different phrases that we're hearing a lot of today. One of the ones that, that I'm not hearing so much today, but has affected my world so much, is the consumerization of IT and, uh, and yeah. how they're, they're building there. We're building solutions for individuals. And then somebody comes into the office and says, well, I can do it on my phone. Why can't you do this for the for the company? And and the difference between an enterprise solution versus a, a solution for an individual, it, sometimes that one's hard to explain to people. Yeah, and it, it can be tough to get around that, and especially if it's you know, the CEO and you know, he's on a plane talking to somebody and he comes back and goes, you know what I can do on my phone? Oh, dear God, you know, here we go. Um, they, you know, it used to be they read the magazines, now it's they, you know, they do that, or they watch a TikTok video and this guy's doing, his whole house is automated, and all of a sudden he wants to automate the office and no, we can't do that. Um, oh, yeah, we can, point. but let's go yeah. talk to the CFO yeah. about how much it's going to cost. <laughs> There's, yeah, it's the money. Money thing is always, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's always interesting. It's, uh, we did, uh, we had to write a program just for during COVID, since we're at the COVID side to help track. And I, it took a while. And the guy said, well, I can just do this on my phone for, you know, like a grocery list. Well, that's, it's a little more complicated than that. Yeah, you know, but he had his own little app that somebody showed him to do it. Self tracker, yeah. and I said, Yeah, but we've got a whole you know, couple hundred people out in the field. We have to track them here in the office. It's all you know, has to be HIPAA compliant. We have to get the data, you know, there's a whole bunch of other factors there. Um, yeah, it made it more difficult for sure. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And the difference yeah. between an individual solution or a solution for an individual and a solution for an enterprise, yeah, so exactly. New one drive. Yeah, the OneDrive versus share, uh, share file, right? You know, it's a SharePoint. You know, you have those two succinctly different. So he said, well, I, can, I can't do this. Well, because it's not the same. It's, <laughs> you can share one file versus this is the, where the file share is. We just yeah. had to discuss another day. I was like, yeah, it's a little more complicated than that, you know. So, well, I can sync it to my phone. You can't shake the entire file share to your phone. It's, it's like a terabyte. Yeah, look, it's right there. <laughs> see? See? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you're yeah, yeah, your phone has how many gigs? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a new phone? That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, you know yeah. that we're talking about terabytes in the back office, right? <laughs> or up in the cloud? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, all right, Matt. It's been a wonderful um, episode, and you know, I look forward to seeing how how things go on this and and. Um, I, I'd love to talk to you again sometime. 
So yeah, I'd love to, Mike. I really did. It was enjoyable. Like I said, I'd like to reminisce. Maybe you can talk some uh, about some uh, fishing, smishing stories next time. <laughs> yeah, fishing, fishing, and and actually get into the cybersecurity stuff because man, I get so many calls and emails about that right now. It's it's ridiculous. It's probably thirty percent of the spam I get is all all of the different one-off vendors trying to sell me their their snake oil. Yeah, it's pretty much. You know, you need this to fix this, and it's 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 uh, uh, you know, it started off as a cottage industry, and now it's pretty much you know, every company has to have somebody that specializes in cybersecurity and all the stuff that goes around it. Just yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. But it's also amazing how much of an industry it has become. You know, when when that whole deal with um, solar winds happened, I started yeah. paying a lot more attention again and really looking at, at what has happened and how it's progressed over the last 10 years. And, and it's a true industry on its own. You know, both the um, red team and blue team, if you don't know those terms, <laughs> yeah. folks, find out what they are. Google it. <laughs> yeah. And and it's more yeah. than just Halo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's more than Halo. <laughs> and, and it is, and it's like I said, it's a part of the industry. And it's, but it's it's um, it's a bigger impact in IT. I think than we used to have some of the, just the other issues we had back in the day. This is a bigger impact because, uh, like I said, the Internet of Things. You know, the, and people go home and they they hook up their laptop and they they're unfiltered. You know, thermostat, and they, they want to know how they got hacked, and it, you know, just. The cacophony of uh, issues that arise from from the outside. It used to be, Jeannie, you worry about your laptop, and I was worried about everybody else's laptop. But it, you yeah. know, that makes for a, a lot you, more discussion. Did you change the password on your refrigerator? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I didn't know my my new one does that. I'm, I'm amazed by the fact. So I don't I don't know what I can do with it, but yeah, it's connected to the internet. <laughs> 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 well, as long as it brews a pot of coffee for me at the right time, then I'm good. <laughs> exactly. When I get up, the coffee's ready. That's pretty much all I really care about. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> all right, Matt. You have a wonderful evening, and and thanks again for listening in on another episode of uh, Dissecting Popular IT Nerds with Matt Dawson. Thanks, Mike. Have a great night. All right, you too, sir. Thank you. <laughs>